0: Happy Sunday, everyone. I'm Mary Morton, and welcome to Living Out Loud. I'm excited to kick off Black History Month with the one and only Cece Carter. Hey, Cece. Hey, Mary. How are you? I am wonderful. Cece is a performance (laughs) artist. She's an author. Um, She's been a professor. And now you are the executive director Mm -hmm. at the Beverly Arts Center. Yes. On the far south side. And we're going to talk all about what's happening at the uh, center. But... Let's do as we often start our shows and have a little host chat. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about how you came to Chicago because you are not a native, although after a certain amount of time you can say you're native. You know, we claim you and you've been <laughs> here for a long time. But, correct. But correct. What, where were you born and, and when did you come to Chicago? So I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas.
1: Okay. We moved when I was two Mm -hmm. to Chicago. So I have my formative years are in Chicago uh, from the time I was two to 16, I believe, 15. And uh, my father uh, was a a pastor. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like being a missionary brat brat and Uh and, an army brat. So we moved a lot. Uh, and we moved to different neighborhoods in Chicago and then finally he took a job as the development director for the United Methodist Church okay. and we moved to New York Oh. So when I was 15 but for some reason Chicago always stayed my home and we had family here so I would come back for Christmas and Thanksgiving with family and friends and our block was also like a family at that time so I had my best friend so today to this day, I still have fifty-year friendships with um, the 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 kids that we grew up on with the bo- on the block, and um, so we moved to New York. Then I went to Spelman, um, came back, worked in New York a little
0: bit. How was that? I I mean, I've never spent more than a few weeks in New York, and always thought at some point I might live there. It, it's different. It really is different. It's a b- big
1: community commuter city. Right, and it's um, hard in um, some and ways, isn't it? it's very hard. Because Just to you, move
0: around.
1: You're always on a train, you're mm-hmm. always on a bus mm-hmm. or a public transportation. Those who live in the city, I lived in Queens, which was also kind of isolating mm-hmm. from the city, mm-hmm. but I worked for Coach Le- Leatherwear oh, nice. when it first started. Okay. Um, and I was one of their buyers. Uh, and so, I got to st- stay a lot in the city overnight and, and things like that, but that commute back and forth it was very hard. But then I was also an artist, and that scene was very hard to get into. Well,
0: let's talk about that, because that, of course, is something you're still continuing to do, yep. still continuing to do performance art, and, and really, now, of course, it is part of your paid work, which yes. is a lovely thing, <laughs> but how did you get into um sort of the arts field um, the
1: arts really were the only consistent thing in my life mm-hmm. from moving hmm and so I always found myself going to movies or dance competitions my parents always put us in the arts um, and it was uh, the arts were something that you supported but not did Oh, and okay. it made us well-rounded children, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. according to my parents. That's right. That's so, right. But little did they know, they had some very artsy children, two very artsy children. So then I ended up uh, being in a dancer. Dance is my um, aesthetic passion. Um, and then I was a quiet poet from my grandmother. For a while. For a while. Yes. For a while. <laughs> that changed. Um, and Poetry became uh, my way of dealing with the world. Every time we had to move, okay. And so my grandmother was my babysitter, and one day I had a poem, um, and it was uh, to fling my arms wide in the open sun, dance like. So it was Langston Hughes. And wait um, a minute, you—the
0: first poem that you remember saying to someone was from Langston Hughes? Yes.
1: Okay. Because my grandmother was the greatest spoken word poet never known. Really? And she would babysit us. Oh, so you us. come by
0: it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we,
1: She um, she, she, babysat us. Uh-huh. And uh, so every day after school. And so I had that one particular uh, poem that I had to memorize for third grade. I will never forget. And she said, and I was sitting there humming and I was like, this is stupid. I don't understand what this is. And she said, that's because you're she said you're reading it reading it in your head and not speaking it out loud. You have to know the intention of a poem. And she um, stood me up, put me in a mirror, and then she recited that poem and it j- almost changed my life. And mm-hmm. she would always, um, when I was very insecure, she would always give me poetry. Um, so she gave me Nikki Giovanni, ego oh, Trippin, okay. and then she gave me Maya Angelou's poem "Phenomenal Woman" when I was going through my uh, age of being um, fluffy uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and curvy uh-huh. and a little bit more curvy than those in my, you know, and your age range in my age mm-hmm. range, and yes. I was being teased a lot. Yes, so she made me say "Phenomenal Woman" every night before I went oh, to bed really? and every morning before I left. Um, and that's how I got into it. And then I became a quiet poet. And then in the eighth grade, um, Mr. Jones had us do a poem. And uh, he looked up from his thing and he said, who are you? Because I had been in the class for uh, over, almost six months now. And, and I hadn't had, said much. And hadn't said anything. But I wrote this poem called Symbiosis. and uh,
0: Symbiosis?
1: Symbiosis. Okay. <laughs> and... He sent it to Gwendolyn Brooks, and I won the youth poetry competition here in Chicago.
0: Incredible. poetry I've never heard that story, Cece. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. All (laughs) right. So, you really did start at a young age. Yes. And you started because you were really shown. Yes. uh, That this is a way. The power of words. The power of saying them out loud. Yes. Right? That's the distinction. The power of saying them out loud. That's so exciting. So... You been, you've done a lot of performance over the years, um, but I remember you, of course, very clearly in a real read, and of course powwow. <laughs> so tell us, just give us a little synopsis, a little summary of uh, a real read and powwow. Um,
1: so a real read was founded by Byron Stewart and Sanford Gaylord, I believe, mm-hmm. or, and they were doing promo afro homo, I believe,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and which was an all male black gay troupe uh-huh. and they were looking for women to uh, mm-hmm. round out this theater uh, ensemble that they were putting together and Byron walked into an open mic where I was on the stage mm-hmm. Interesting. and said I need you to come and be a part of this theater group and I said I've never acted in my life I don't know what this is I'm you know I would have to be trained and mm-hmm. you know and so he took me under his wing, and me and Bledsoe, good love. Okay, I'm, I'm getting a blank, but I apologize. But we were the first two okay. uh, young women okay. in the company, and it grew and grew, and you might remember A.V.R. Young of came course, through. Of so many Now people. Chicago's Poet Laureate. Yeah, thank you very much. That part. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And um, just a great experience in learning about theater in a different way. Uh, innovative work. Ensemble work. Uh, we were very blessed to have Bailiwick take us under their wing and let us oh, be their okay. um, ensemble in residence. Bailiwick so, Theater. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. And that sort
0: of evolved into Pride plays yeah. now.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then and after that, um, you know, it took its course and everybody kind of moved on and everything like that. But it's still, uh, on the south side of Chicago, um, I was doing a lot of work around um, public policy and advocacy and art uh-huh. and uh, women's issues. Yes. And I had learned a lot from um, going to Women's Michigan Fest oh, yes. and seeing how art could play a part in regular, um, not regular, but um, community work uh-huh. and community organizing mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I went to different co- organizations and said, hey, I would like to start like a spoken word advocacy program mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, a lot of community organizations at that time were Reluctant of using the arts. Now, we would get hired to be the artists at their galas, right? But to make it a substantial program that actually did something and lived beyond just a
0: one-time special event, correct? Mm -hmm.
1: And so there was some pushback from there. And so I said, "Well, let me just see if we could start it on our own." And that became performers or writers for Women on Women's Issues, also known as Pow Wow.
0: Incredible. (laughs) I mean, a lot of history there, and I hope it is being written down somewhere, CeCe. We are working
1: on it. Actually, Pow Wow turned 20 this year. Incredible. And so I have some things in the work.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> well, we we want to hear about all that. And we're going to come back and uh, talk a little bit more uh, with CeCe about some of the things that we've been working on, some of the news items uh, in our, our section called What's the 411? But you are listening to Living Out Loud. I'm here with CeCe Carter, and we are back in a moment. All right. I'm Gina Torres, and when I'm in Chicago, I listen to Mary Morton on WCPT, 820 AM. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm here with Cece Carter as we kick off Black History Month. And Cece, you know, something that's been in the news quite a bit, and we continue to hear about it, and not in the best terms because we are a sanctuary city as you know mm-hmm. is um, how we are going to uh, really support migrants right mm-hmm. and so I start I've tried to start saying migrant support and not migrant crises mm-hmm. um, I saw an article that the Latino policy forum put forward a few weeks ago and they were talking about the migrant narrative I mean nice. part, you know this idea of sort of people first language mm-hmm. right and um, let's stop talking about it as a crisis. The crisis is on us. Mm -hmm. It is not on the migrants. Right. Right. And so what what do you know or what kinds of ways has this impacted maybe some of the work you're doing at at the center?
1: Well, one of the things that we are doing is um, specifically seeking out grants and support because um, we saw in our neighborhood um, police station, mm-hmm. um, migrants that were uh, being housed there. and But during a time when um, there needed to be social-emotional learning support, and what does that look like uh, for the kids?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really um, important point. What's happening
1: with the children? What is happening with the children? And mm-hmm. we are a center, and we wanted to be able to uh, provide uh, programming. Um, there's some isolation issues now around language um, in the classroom, even if they are going to school and not going to school. Uh, what does that look like? Uh, our board president actually uh, adopted a family for her little girls, so they are exchanging languages and learning. So That's her, wonderful yes, when that can happen. I mean, just amazing things. And then also providing uh, scholarships for our um, the students to... Uh, the kids and the families to be able to come and be a part of art-based programming because, again, art saves lives. Absolutely. There's no two ways about it. Totally. And and to be able to find a medium to get expression out is so important w- regardless of the, uh, the genre or the aesthetic of the art. Whatever that uh, passion form can be found, um, particularly in the kids, particularly with families. Um, they have been uprooted That's right. Thought they were going to one state. um, And were shuttled off to another. Another, Mm -hmm. and now it's the dead of cold. There are a lot of trauma-informed types of processes that need to happen that could happen therapeutically through art um, in a way that reaches and helps people um, process and take uh, and understand what is going on. So we are actively seeking um, funding and uh, grant support to be able to provide those uh, necessary um, ways in which people learn cope.
0: That's a really great idea, and I think it moves the focus. I mean, we need to focus on a number of of matters regarding migrant support. However, what we most often Hear folks talking about is how can we help folks get to work? How can we help folks get into, uh, you know, some kind of permanent housing or at least semi-permanent? Mm-hmm. You know, right now um, there's this whole uh, dialogue going on about whether or not Mayor Johnson will extend the timeline for folks to stay in shelters. And I'm thinking he doesn't have a lot of choice right. but to do it. Exactly. I mean, people will just have some major problems. And if people think City Council has been a little disruptive you know over the last several months right i think you don't want to try to put people out on the street not in chicago's winter no not at all but particularly right now right and so this idea of focusing on children I think it's a brilliant idea and how does that fit into the kind of services, classes, what happens at Beverly Arts Center? And let me just say, I grew up maybe 15 minutes away from Beverly Arts Center (laughs) and certainly did spend a little bit of time there, Uh, but I was most often at the library, which was across the street from the Beverly Arts Mm -hmm. Center. Um, Tell us what actually happens with some of the programming there. So we
1: have uh, four pillars, basically, where we operate uh, in-school programming. We are in 28 schools in the neighborhood providing art space programming in theater. theater, dance, visual arts, and music. I had no idea. It was that vast. Yes. And um, it really uh, became... uh, (sighs) Prominent in our in our area during the pandemic, mm-hmm. when the schools teachers were leaving at a drove, um, of course, arts based programs get cut first first always. And yes. so we were able because we're one of the few organizations that provide not just uh, one singular focus, but we have a vast array of teaching artists that come uh, with different skills, and we can provide that gap that schools have. Um, the other thing is we have an after school, and we can. Um, youth and adult program classes. So if you just want to make ceramics and come wow. and if you, we have a beautiful collage class now for adults in terms of um, manifesting and vision making and you do collage. Uh, we have a jewelry making class that's going to happen um, for Valentine's Day. And then of course we have our after school programs where the kids come and on a Saturday you should see it. We have dance, toddler dance tiny tots mommy and me yoga Taryn and me yoga you name it yes so um, in the morning time they can come all the way through eight o'clock and then we have a camp
0: we run uh Is that all year round or is that during the summer?
1: During the summer. Mm -hmm. And it's a musical theater camp for the show kids that want to come and be involved, as well as uh, two regular sessions of just coming and exploring what the arts can do. And then we have the theater, our professional theater series, uh, which we are in the production uh, mode, and we open uh, for Little Shop of And uh, this was put together, and we're excited to have a professional series on the South Side. It has been uh, met with accolades. Um, the community is really loving the fact that they don't necessarily have, have to go, go downtown. downtown. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. And we yes. have
1: free parking.
0: Okay. Now, that's something to be said for that. Absolutely. Our own parking
1: lot. And then uh, we do a gap. Um, a gallery opening every second Friday, um, and so it, you're
0: propo- you're you're uplifting artist artists, in some in kind the of community. medium. What's the medium? It's
1: it depends. It's okay. just all visual art. Okay. And we have two galleries. We have a small cafe for emerging artists, and then we have our professional series, which is in our Simmerling, Simmerling gallery, and it is curated by our partners by Xavier University, as well as. Beverly Arts Alliance, oh, area okay. alliance, mm-hmm. and um, so we participate in the Art Walk in that way. We open up our building, we showcase, and so our strategic partners in the community really come together. We just started with the Yarn Club Fiber Optics, where they'll be wrapping our trees for our awareness. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, I love that. So okay. we're, we're very much about including the community uh, partners and organizations to be a part of coming into our building, and what does that look like, and what does center mean to be outside of a building?
0: Right, right. I mean, I, again, had no idea that all of that was going on, <laughs> and it's really wonderful that this is an institution, really, that's Correct. on the south side, Correct. right? And so to your point, people don't have to go all the way downtown to see um, well-done, uh, high-quality theater. That's right. right? That's and right. and I'm excited that in a few moments uh we'll be joined by the director Scott Sawinski mm-hmm. right for Little Shop of horror So how many shows, how many uh productions do you generally do in a year? We do
1: 4 to 5, okay. but what has been an amazing um Aha moment for us is the youth theater productions. Yeah, uh, where we are, we did Annie Junior. Now we're about to do uh, Willy Wonka and Shrek. Uh, We have the Diary of Anne Frank coming up on our professional stage Um, for Black History Month. We are doing an Afrofuturism exhibit. Uh, curated by Paul Branton who is one of the Southside's iconic visual artists and uh, we're doing a Mardi Gras Prince tribute concert.
0: So, Wait we, a minute, say that again. You're <laughs> doing a Mardi Gras Prince, Prince tribute, tribute concert. concert. Okay. On the 10th. So have you seen the person who plays Prince? Yes. And
1: and he is amazing. Okay, and he sounds just like him. Oh, really? Um, It's by a group called uh, Moments. Great moments in uh, vinyl. They put on a Tina Turner concert for us, and immediately. the young man went into a Prince kind of thing, uh, and he says, yes, and I play Prince. And so
0: we booked him immediately for Look, that. Incredible. Oh, my God. Such a variety. I mean, literally something for everyone. Oh, yes. Something bands and for concerts,
1: everyone. Bands and concerts. We do um, Music Monday free concert in our um, backyard Uh and we have 13 bands every Monday starting the first week in June. And you come, you give a $5 donation, and you bring your long chairs and your food. And we have some of the. It's kind <laughs> of right. revenue on the South Side. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, um, let's give out the um, website now. We'll do that again, but I want to make sure people know where they can find out about all this incredible programming. Absolutely. www.beverlyartcenter.org
1: or com. Either one. Will oh, do. really? Yes. That was we have smart. Both the art that was or or very smart.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to hear a little bit more about um, the upcoming production of yes. Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back. Uh, We're going to come back with the director of A Little Shop Before, Scott Sawinski. The amazing Scott. The amazing Scott. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Living Out Loud. We're back in a moment.
1: Gina Yashue, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in the Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud on WCPT.
0: So listen. Welcome back to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton. I'm here with Cece Carter, who's the executive director of the Beverly Arts Center, performer, Oh, I mean, the list goes on and on. We can only say so much, right? This is just an hour show. But Cece and I have been friends for many years. And, yes. and we actually can't remember when we met. I feel like we always knew, knew we each did. other, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and you actually... Did something very special at my ceremony. I did over twenty-two years ago. Did an original poem uh, as commissioned by Willa. Yes. So um, it is great to have you here in the studio, and we're excited to welcome one of your colleagues, one someone you're partnering with, and uh, the director for the upcoming production of Little Shop of Horrors, and the executive director of Governor State's Performing Arts Center. We want to welcome Scott Sawinski to Living Out Loud. Yay. Wow. Hi, Scott.
3: Hi, how are you doing?
0: I am great. Welcome. So happy that you can join us. And I'm going to start with Cece and just say, talk a little bit about how you've been working with Scott. And I know there are many new things happening because you're new in your role, but what do you hope to have happen with this partnership? Well, uh, one of the things is
1: that Scott reached out and said, Hey, let's try to get something together in terms of uh, shared resources, shared productions, um, something that could be a new model for other organizations. Um, particularly, we're small size, he's mid size or larger, mm-hmm. actually. Uh-huh. What does that look like? Um, particularly on the heels of, you know, um, the 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 slow rise of people returning back into spaces right um and so how do organizations actually come together and provide opportunities to present co-present work co-produce work share resources and so we are close enough and far enough uh, where we could actually share some of the things that we want to do. So we're still very early in the um, collaborative stages of what that looks like. But I was very happy that Scott reached out to me. Um, and then also our two boards are going to be meeting at the opening. So oh, wow. okay. um, nice. I'm looking forward yeah. to that
0: potential. Well, great idea, Scott. Um, tell us a little <laughs> oh, bit about, about your background and how did you come to theater?
3: Um, Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of a selfish endeavor in reaching out to CC because I came to theater through, you know, the Beverly Arts Center when it was still at, you know, where Morgan Park Academy is. So I took my first dance classes in that there, and then some of the first performing i did was on that stage so it's really important to me that it serves the south side and continues to elevate the south land um and then i you know i went off and and you know my parents say that i didn't have a real career i went and tried to be an actor and (laughs) did that for a long time and then eventually you know got my graduate degrees and my doctorate and ended up back at governor state university but the the south side has always been my home and, and serving it in the arts has always been my goal so you know the idea of a partnership with uh Carla, it has been really, really important to me because I want people to know that we on the south side are just as powerful and as artistic as anybody on the north side or anywhere else. We we have it. We we don't have to bring it in. We have it.
0: I love that. That is a message that needs to be said and heard over and over again. And as Cece was saying earlier, you don't have to go downtown to see some really extraordinary theater and uh, arts based performances.
3: That's true. And we don't charge for parking. So you win. I know, I
0: know. That's that. You know, that is, you know, it's the reality is it is very expensive. And I think yeah. it is something worth holding up, because if you go downtown, you're spending easily thirty five, forty dollars to park to park, just to park, just to park. Right. which is right. the cost of a ticket. That yeah, OK, which is the cost of a ticket. All right. So tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing at Governor's State,
3: Scott. Well, so Go- Governor State University kind of has the same, you know, goal that the Beverly Arts Center has, just in kind of a larger scope. You know, our, our focus is constantly bringing different types of programming. Our, our slogan is, you know, a kaleidoscope of culture or a cultural kaleidoscope. So we, we try to do as much as possible so that people can have opinions. I think nowadays, especially after COVID, one of our big struggles is that we try to do things to make everybody happy. And what we're trying to do is is give art that gives you the ability to have opinion. So we have Deeply Rooted and Muntu coming this weekend, um, which are amazing, you know, African origin dance groups that you would normally see at the auditorium theater, but you could come to Governor State and see them just as lively and as brilliant and as beautiful. But, you know, one of our, our goals, the C indicated, is trying to figure out how we kind of foster one another. I think there's too much of that, you know. If you look at our, our Southside Theater, there was a time last year where... Three different theaters were doing Steel Magnolias all on the same weekend. And it dawned on me, maybe if we just did one really great production, we'd all elevate exactly. each other.
0: Exactly. Great idea. Great idea. And I, you just mentioned Deeply Rooted in Montu Dance Theater. To your point, they often, and, and where I've seen them, is it been at Auditorium Theater? Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Right. And, and so we're trying to find a template where and CC and I, like, like she said, you know, we're, we're still on our first date, like our board, yeah. our board coming together, are like our parents coming out so they can meet each other to see if it's OK for us to start dating. And, uh, you know, really figuring out that creative collaboration where maybe Little Shop of Horrors would be an example of a show that we would also have sponsored and then done at our theater. And it's a completely different audience. But because so much of our cast are Southland artists. We're working to, you know, really elevate that idea of Chicago serving Chicago as opposed to bringing in a dance company from, you know, Boston or the East Coast.
0: That's an incredible idea. And I just want to tell you, as someone who has um, married a couple of organizations together, and we absolutely did talk about it as going out on a couple of dates, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we got engaged Mm -hmm. uh, and then we got married. Uh, And we absolutely referenced it that way because it is a relationship um, that you really have to um, you know you have to get to know each other right in a variety of ways so when you said that the boards were meeting each other without knowing that this was what was coming down I thought oh that's interesting that's something we did when we were merging um, uh, the Illinois Safe Schools Alliance which is a, a youth development and support organization that works on public policy mm-hmm. and uh advocacy as well as workshops and um public education we merged that with a larger organization the public health institute of metropolitan chicago but you know we have been on many dates with folks and I think you just and and we can have strategic partnerships we can have mergers but having a strategic partnership which is sounds like what you all might be looking at just really is um, smart yeah it's smart it's yes. efficient you're gonna be able to go deeper right mm-hmm. and so i think that's a really wonderful idea and i'm just gonna say now if, as you all move along in that process if you have any questions about any of that i'm, I'm happy to answer them for you because i've done a number of these kinds of um... of um, dare I say hookups. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Great. I've done that. I've done that. So really important. And so what's happening at, um, tell us a little bit more about Governor State because, you know, we're streamed and people may not know the context or even where Governor State is located.
3: Sure. Governor State is in the far Southland side. It's in University Park, which is kind of near Sauk and Park Forest. Um, you know, Governor State is a, is a large university that was once a communi- commuter university that moved to a four-year institution um, just a few years ago. And uh, it, it has this beautiful 1200-seat state-of-the-art performing arts center that, unfortunately, if you ask a lot of people, people don't know about. And they mm-hmm. don't know that they can come and see art there we just had sons of serendip there which is was probably my favorite act that we had all year and I mean they're they're incomparable and they you know they were placed finalists on America's Got Talent, and you know you have that right in your backyard as opposed to having to drive to the city and there's nothing wrong with driving to the city we all like our fancy time <laughs> but there's also this idea governor states platform is really about ex- accessibility and inclusivity and constantly giving variety you know um, you know that that's what i'm most proud of we just did this past weekend we had an entire you know german opera presentation which you know is not necessarily my thing but the the people who came it was definitely their thing and i love that you know next year we have everything from you know a shared tribute to drumline wow you know, that's, it, it that's variety. yes yeah and and you know our hope with you know with the beverly arts center is that The Beverly Arts Center, to CeCe's point, is smaller. And as opposed to apologizing for that, if somebody wants a nice, intimate evening, they can call us and we can go, you know, we don't have anything right now, but why don't you go to the Beverly Arts Center? Why don't you go to the Illinois Philharmonic? Why don't you go to the Chicago Southland Dance Ensemble? Like, having a better understanding of what all the executive directors are doing so that we could just... It's kind of like when you watch it. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life back in the day and they like referred it to a store and everybody got clientele because they were like, that's really cool that you're referring people. That idea of you know creating hype for one another really helps elevate us and grow us as like this, this big core of Southland beautiful art. And that's what Governor State is hoping that because we're large and because we serve a community that we could kind of be the hub and the, the way in which everybody comes in and out so we can create accessibility for everyone.
0: Wonderful. Now, I want to make Wonderful. sure we talk a lot about um, Little Shop of Horrors, which you're directing. Yep. Uh, tell us about the play. <laughs> tell us about, yeah, the actual play and just give us a little synopsis of it so people will be able to get excited about seeing it.
3: Great. I mean, it's, it's a famous movie mm-hmm. that everyone has seen and, it you know, it's very much science fiction. I mean, the basic plot of it is that there's kind of a, a nebbish, nerdy guy <laughs> who finds a plant and that plant forces him to assimilate and basically, you know, make it so he <laughs> kills people and feeds feeds those people to the plant, and the, so the plant eventually takes over the world. There's no spoiler there; you could Wikipedia it in a heartbeat. That's right. But it, it is it is a really fun kind of throwback. You know, it's set in the 1950s and in the 1960s, but we have. An amazing cast of largely Southland artists who, who have come together and, and, you know, the way in which we're seeing it is it's very much an appropriate story, even just in Black History Month, because it talks about forcible assimilation. Like, this gentleman is happy as he is, and the woman he loves is kind of content as she is, and it's about this plant that convinces them that they're not enough, that they need to change, that they need to conform. And we really, we hit that hard. I mean, it's still got amazing music, and, you know, to it just turn die eye, you'll just be like, oh, they're rocking it out. They're really singing it. But it also has a kind of a powerful message about how we are as a society and how we tell people to be themselves, but then also tell them be themselves as long as they do all the things everyone else does.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. And how long does the um, production run?
3: That's great. The, the production runs from uh, February 8th through February 18th. Um, and uh, the, uh, the shows have matinees on On Saturdays, except for February seventeenth, so it's a seven-show run, and um, you know it's a cast of, uh, I believe, a a ten artists. And we have a live band on stage. Uh, Everything's live, which is really rare nowadays in theater. A lot of times you go and it's recorded. Right. Yeah. and, And. and, and C.C. has dealt with me and poured a lot of money into making it <laughs> successful. So everybody needs to come and support it. Come and support um, it, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And how did how did you even uh, select that play? I mean, there's so many things to choose from. How do you whittle it whittle it down and say, okay, we're going to go with Little Shop of Horrors?
3: Well, Carla, that's all you. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The season was already chosen, um, and it is—it was um, based on the fact that we were looking to see. So Beverly Arts Center is at the epicenter of three different neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. right? right. So you have Mount Greenwood, you have um, Beverly, and then you have Morgan Park. Yes, Uh, and so. How do we get all of those people into one spot? Mm-hmm, that's right. We pick classics mm. that pretty much everyone kind of knows about right. um, that can bring them into the theater all at one time. Okay. Uh, which is kind of where we are. Uh, it was picked by our, our previous artistic director. Uh-huh. Um, and then... As we go further in picking catalog um, shows this time, we're looking at being able to say, okay, how do we get, how do we talk to as many people as possible? And so intentionally picking shows that bring different perspectives into Mm -hmm. um, the building, but also what Scott did amazing this time. um, I think we, this was the largest audition we've ever had because he um, he was looking to cast the best. Regardless of ethnicity uh-huh. and regardless of uh anything else that uh normally a script will you know dictate, defy, dictate mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and so we have cast members from the Jeff Award nominations of court theater that we're doing once on this island oh, right. um, we have Roosevelt University students from up north mm-hmm. I mean he did amazing selection I was able to sit at the uh auditions and I was very. Uh, happy with the way he approached the audition process,
0: and and let me just say that makes a huge difference, right? And Correct. it has to be intentional. Things just yep. don't happen, right? If you if they're not intentional, they will not actually occur. If you're if you're trying to do something, if you're trying to change something out of what has been commonly accepted as the way to do something, mm-hmm. then you have to be intentional. And it sounds like you were, Scott.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that we were given the freedom to do that. I mean, when Carla and I were talking about me directing it, one of the first questions I asked was, are you cool with me not doing it in the normal way? And, and you know, like our, our, plant, is, our plant is played by a 19-year-old student who has an, a fantastic voice, but there's a, a whole different vibe when you have somebody who can sing the way he sings, but is also a 19-year-old controlling basically the entire narrative. And, you know, our plant puppeteer is, you know, A very petite young lady, as opposed to it being some, you know, dude in a black outfit, you know, hiding behind a plant. Um, and, and I'm really, I'm really proud of the diversity of the mm-hmm. cast, but also representation from, you know, race, creed, ethnicity, um, sexual preferencing and gender identity, but also the fact that, you know, we have Mount Greenwood represented, we have Linwood, we have Kankakee, we mm-hmm. have South Shore, you know, we have all of these Southland areas also, which is what, you know, the Beverly Arts Center and also Governor State really aim to serve. We, we really, I know I've said it a few times already, want to show you that, you know, this amazing art is right here. We're not, we don't need to explore. And, you know, we had about nine people auditioned for the show and, and wow, that's awesome that's because incredible. you know it, it was incredible but we were able to kind of whittle it down to the best family and it really is a great cast because they're really thoughtful performers and also really talented performers and they really want to tell you a story so that's why i hope people come out to, to really see the hard work they're they're doing they're, they're doing an incredible job and i'm not just saying that if, it, if, if i was a director who wasn't proud of it i'd be like well you know if you want to come you right, can try right no but we're really great. proud of it
0: it sounds really wonderful yeah. and you know i to say, my sister lives in University Park, and she has never mentioned anything about Governor State wow. to me. And I'm not even sure she's ever been, but I'm going to get her tickets. I am definitely going to get her tickets well, because um, I, there's absolutely no reason why she should be coming to see that show.
3: Well, thank you. And, and, you know, I know a guy who could hook you up, so you okay. could just call me and we'll get it <laughs> All, right. All
0: right. Scott, thank you so much. So nice to meet you, even over the phone here. And um, I, I just wish you so much success with the upcoming production of Little Shop of Horrors. Again, that runs from February 8th through February 18th mm-hmm. at uh, Governor State Performing Arts Center. And when we post this show— no, It runs at Beverly Arts Center. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. At Beverly Arts Center. I'm so sorry. You should have seen CeCe's face. Scott when I said that's like uh, no no that's not right I'm so sorry uh, there'll be other opportunities to come to Governor's State um, but I just want to thank you for everything you're doing and for the intentionality that you're showing in shaking things up because that's how real change is made so thanks for joining us today on Living Out Loud Scott
3: uh, uh, thank you so much for having me Mary thanks Cece I appreciate it
0: oh you're welcome thank you Scott
3: and you're listening all right, we'll Talk to you all
0: soon. You. okay take care You're listening to Living Out Loud, and we'll be back with our show closer. We'll be right back. everyone. It's Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT, 820 a.m.
2: This is a WCPT civil rights snapshot. We all know the story of Rosa Parks, but she was not the first woman of color to refuse to give up her seat in 1884 Ida B Wells was thrown off of a train after refusing to go to the back after buying a first-class ticket after this incident Wells began writing articles about the issues of race and politics in the South Wells's articles also talked about her time being a teacher in a segregated school which later led to her being fired Wells later turned her attention to anti-lynching after three of her friends were murdered and hung before they could have a trial even traveling down to the south risking her own life to get information on lynching, taking her anti-lynching campaign to the White House in 1898, and wouldn't be signed into law until 1918. Wells was a fighter for so many women and people of color. Just a little something to think about when you get off of 290. Please stay vigilant about our civil rights. The fight is never over.
0: And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. And, you know, we want to take a moment and make sure we acknowledge, first of all, thanks to Scott. Great partnership. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very excited about
1: that um, because there is a piece that I want to bring. Um, I don't know if you know Toshi Reagan. Oh, of course. And she has an opera called Parable of the Mm Sower. I've heard Um, of this. It would be a great partnership for us. Oh, my goodness. To
0: produce All that. right, well, let's put that out there in the <laughs> world. We're putting it out That's there. That's right. In the we're going to manifest that. <laughs> we also want to make uh, sure that we mention uh, and thank um, Craig Loftus, DJ Craig Loftus, who w- we listen to his music often. I am what is commonly referred to as a househead. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and so um, we have his music. going to also have some other DJ's music soon Um, but But you're working with Craig.
1: Do you know that Craig is my new technical director at Beverly Arts Center? Um, People don't know this about him but when he graduated from uh, Columbia he graduated in audio sound engineering and set design. Well
0: some of this makes sense with the music (laughs) piece but I didn't know about the set design piece. Set
1: design. So he actually has built the set for Little Shop of Horror.
0: Really? Yes. Oh, and it my is goodness. incredible and
1: amazing. and he took Scott's vision and put it on paper and now it is a full set on our you know on our stage and um has been able to really come in and provide support in a way uh and because he lives in Maple Park, which is five that's minutes right. away
0: that's right um it made sense. It's so wonderful that people who live on the south side are also getting opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily have in their own community because he lives very close to the center. Correct. Right? Correct. So he doesn't have to drive downtown no. to work on a show or go to the north side to work on a show. That is really uh, incredible and something to be supported. So congratulations and Thank congratulations you. to Craig. Um, love his music. Did not know about the set design yes. piece. So now, I mean, he's just multi talented, clearly. And uh, that's, that's wonderful to know. So let's talk talk a little bit about um, personal intentions. Do you do you set personal intentions? I I stopped doing resolutions a long time ago mm-hmm. and I I usually think about what I want to do in the year and how I'm going to make it happen, you know, how I'm going to be intentional about it. What what do you do? Cuz I it's still the first quarter, so I I feel like we should maybe <laughs> still be talking about this because as you know, some people who had resolutions or things they were going to do, they've already stopped doing those things. Yes. They've absolutely. Already stopped. Yes.
1: I think one of the things that I do well is um, with intention manifest what I want. I, I I can see it. I can see myself in this space. I can see myself doing what it is even before I do it.
0: Do you do vision and boards I, in that I, way or no? No. Okay. I
1: just kind of journal some vision boarding. I stop doing vision boards because sometimes um, even that the the. The the place I see myself grows bigger than what the vision board is. Oh, okay. And so you don't want I, to be limited. I don't want to be limited okay. to what I want. So, for example, coming back um, after I, we moved to Arkansas because my father passed and to take care of my mother. Um, after five, these last seven years, my mom turned around and said, "Hey, you're not happy here. It is okay. You have been an obedient daughter. Go." So the next thing I did was I'm in my hopes and dream jar. I have a hopes and dreams jar. Oh, I love that. And I put in exactly, it had to be an art space organization. It had to be on the south side. Mm -hmm. I did not want to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, It had to be close to where I would live. I didn't know uh, what that was going to look like. And I put everything in. Um, That Sunday, this position came up. Well, the managing director position came up for Beverly Arts Center. Um, After that, I said, so, hopes and dreams again. Um, by July, I won a confirmation that I will be there. Um and I just put in different steps and four interviews later. Mm-hmm. They offered me the position. Uh, we our house had been up for sale in uh, in Arkansas since February. We closed full price July thirteenth. It all came together. And our house here in Chicago, we had a tenant. Our tenant decided uh, her her grandmother left her a house and said that she had to leave. So I'm living in the same house seven years later. That you left. That we left. That's in,
0: okay. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. So those yes. are the
1: kind of intentions that sometimes I just feel like I um it, just um have a plan and keep it focused, I guess Mm -hmm. it's a biblical term, um, and there all your dreams will manifest.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. I think you're onto something clearly, um, (laughs) because it worked, and I love this idea of the jar of hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot, right? I mean, it's similar to um, sometimes um, when we go to Affinity, right? Oh yeah, When we're doing the Burning Bowl, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Uh, This is an organization on the south side that's, goodness, going to be I think 35 years yeah. old, very soon, but really uh, primarily serves uh, black LGBTQIA folks, and uh, they have something every year card- called a burning bowl, where you can uh, really sort of out with the old and in with the new, but you you literally burn yeah. what you're trying to get rid of, mm-hmm. and then you write a letter to yourself to say, this is what I, I hope for in the new year. Yep. And so um, I like that jar, though, because that, in fire, uh, that doesn't involve some fire, necessarily. That, that- you know, that might be hard to come by uh, in, a, in a contained environment. Environment. Um, but and, and then what do you hope for with regard to the center and, and being in this role not it hasn't even been uh, two years um, but so much is happening and so many things were in motion because you always sort of work ahead of your immediate time particularly in theater right mm-hmm. as you said mm-hmm. um, some of the shows had already been programmed. What are your hopes and dreams for your your new role.
1: I'm I'm very excited to be able to bring what I bring. Um, I consider myself a cultural anthropologist artist, artivist, Um, and that is um, I program based on a um, a poem that Maya Angelou has. is called Human Family Mm -hmm. Um, and with being the new executive director at Beverly Arts Center, having three distinct neighborhoods, um, all who want to see themselves represented and then those within the neighborhood who aren't even elevated to, their voices have not been elevated to be on our stages or in our building uh, as much. In programming, I am looking to show how we are all alike than we are unalike. We are more alike alike than we are unalike. And that's that one line that uh, is in that poem that sticks with me when I am doing intentional programming. Um, And I think that programming has to be intentional. You have to take the time It cannot be just uh, this is what I like. Exactly. Um, You have to take into consideration who our constituents are and our patrons and what they want to hear and what they want to see, but also be in a way that's intentional. So we're going to do a concert. So we're going to have a Grateful Dead and a Bob Marley concert you know one band one band so but they all talked about different the same types of things within their music and so what does that look like um in the audience because oftentimes before i literally could walk in my uh lobby and i could tell what kind of program was happening
0: ah okay
1: and and so we're seeing a shift into people are taking also the risk to I was just be say, outside some, of their own that's right, comfort zone. Right.
0: right. So some cross fertilization is correct, happening. People correct. are thinking outside of their own boxes mm-hmm. and they're doing it in a way um, at, at the center because they feel safe there yes. and they know they can do it there. And yeah. that's a wonderful thing when you can provide that kind of opportunity to invite people in, right, to do something a little different. And again, it's happening on the south side. Absolutely. On the south side. Incredible. Well, I just want to say... Um Congratulations. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you back in the shy. Um, and <laughs> I'm ecstatic to be yeah. <laughs> back. <laughs> you know, Chicago's Chicago's good, right? Yes. Chicago's good, right? Mm-hmm. We've got some things we have to work on, like all cities, but this is a pretty good place to live. And I want to thank all of you for listening today. Um, next week, we will have Sarah Dysek here. Um, Sarah is the owner of Early to Bed, and it's an adult Yay. toy shop. And, you know, we're just going to gear up a little bit for Valentine's Day. People who celebrate it, people who don't celebrate it. Uh, but we want to just talk about that. We're also going to have Dr. Vicki Vicky Soltzman on, who's a therapist, and talk about some strategies around you know, managing our feelings and things like that, which is always a good thing. And so we hope that you will join us again uh, next time. And uh, I just want to say, um, Carla, CC C. Carter, uh, thank you so much. Dr. Carla C.C. Carter. Um, appreciate your time today and really are appreciative that you are in place over at the Beverly Arts Center. Thank you. We are Thank all you for very excited me. about that and really want to support you in any way that we can. Thank you. So thanks for being here. And that's our show for this week. Thanks, Devin. We'll see you next time on Living Out Loud.